want to appreciate you this morning. Thank you for the opportunity you have given to us to gather in your presence to praise you, to worship you, to appreciate you, to show our heartfelt gratitude over our lives in this first half of the year. Father, we say may your name alone be glorified in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for even your word that has come forth this morning. And Lord, the message is clear. Father, Lord, as you challenge us once again this morning, help us to be sure that our names are written in the book of life. Because that's the only thing we can take out of this world at the end of our journey. Help us, Lord, as we walk even through our journey on this earth, that, Lord, I will live like those who are on pilgrimage, whose abiding home is not in this earth. Have your way, God, in our midst, and be that glorified. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are we excited this morning? Many of us have danced and danced and danced and danced. And we have changed dancing steps. And I know that we are ready to dance more and more. And we will dance and we will keep dancing in Jesus' name. It is good together to praise God in appreciation for the numerous blessings He has visited us with. This year has been a challenging one. And from January through February, March, April, May, and today is the 25th day of June. The Lord has sustained you and I. And I want to tell you that it has not been easy. It has been full of challenges. It has been full of obstacles. It has been full of confusions. It has been full of fears. But the Lord has sustained us. And that there is no better thing to do than to gather in his presence as a church to say, Lord, we praise your name. We appreciate you. Because whatever we are, or whatever we have achieved, or the life we are living, it is not as a result of anything we have done. It is just by the mercies of God. So that we are here today is by the mercies of God. And we should come with heart of gratitude, praising God and appreciating Him. Knowing that the same God who has seen us through the first six months of the year, He will yet see us through the remaining months of the year in Jesus' name. This amen is not strong. <laughs> I said, God will see us through the remaining six months of the year in Jesus' name. And even beyond this year, Jesus tarries in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, let your heart not be troubled. This is a time of trouble. This is a time that when you sit down and you calculate and you evaluate and you do plus and you do minus, and uh, you do addition and subtraction, you will not get any answer. <laughs> Two of us, you will not get any answer. That's the time we are living in. But our God is faithful. And he remained faithful in Jesus' name. So let us live like those who have God in heaven. Let us not live like those who do not have God, who do not have any hope in this world, who are depending on their wisdom. And intelligence and intellect to survive. We are not such people. 
our dependence is on God. God knows the path that he has made out for us in this life. And it's only as we follow him that we'll get to our destination. And so shall it be unto us in Jesus' name. We have gathered this morning to praise God in appreciation for the numerous things he has done for us. And uh, we want to briefly look at this topic before we continue with our praises. I know that the choir is ready to go again. The topic says, Victory through praise. Victory through praise. And our text is taken from Second Chronicles chapter 20. And then if we look at Second Chronicles chapter 20, it's talking about the times of uh, Jehoshaphat. We know King Jehoshaphat, he was a man who lived his life with his whole heart focused on seeking God and on serving Him. If we look at Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, if we read from verse 1 to 4, and we look at chapter 19 of the same Second Chronicles, and we read from verse 1 to 3, and we look at First Kings chapter 22, and we read from verse 4 to 7, we will not be reading all of them because of time. This is just a brief uh, message. But I want to give us the summary of what is written in these three passages. We will still read uh, a few verses there. But when we read through the, these uh, three passages, let me read um, 21 to 4. And it says, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others with them beside the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and, proclaim, and, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And chapter 19, 1-3 says, Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to king Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you. In that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your hearts to seek the Lord. We can see from these two passages that Jehoshaphat was a man that served God with all his heart. Here, after he went to help um, Ahab to fight the king of Syria, after he escaped with his life, because he would have died. He would have been killed. After he escaped, because God had mercy on him, and he came back, a prophet of the Lord confronted him and said, Why should you help the wicked? Why should you go and help the enemy of the Lord? Instead of Jehoshaphat being angry, Jehoshaphat realized that he had done something bad. And in verse 3, the Bible said that he set his heart to seek the Lord. It's not as if he didn't know the Lord before. But he discovered that he had made an error. He has taken a wrong decision. 
And Bible says that he set his heart to seek the Lord. And he didn't stop there. If you continue from verse 4, you discover what he did. That he started teaching in Jerusalem. He started uh, teaching people to follow the Lord. And he set judges over them. Those who give judgment. And he warned them and said, the Lord does not take bribe. You should not take bribe. You should know that you are working for the Lord. And he taught them righteousness. And it was after these things that he was, at a later time, that he was told that the people of Ammon, the people of Moab, and the people of um, Emmausia have gathered to fight against him. And what was the first reaction that came from him? The Bible said that he feared. And it is normal. When, they, when you see danger, when danger confronts you, when you meet with danger, what's the first thing that happens? Fear. He feared. And the next thing that happened was here that he set himself to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast. So this man was a man who we always seek to know the will of God in any situation. If we go to First Kings chapter 22, when he went to visit Ahab, and Ahab was preparing to go and fight uh, the Syrians uh, at Ramogilad. And Ahab asked him if he was ready to follow him. And look at the answer he gave from verse 4. First Kings chapter 22 verse 4. So he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight at Ramogilad? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people. My horses as your horses. Verse 5. Also Joshua said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then in verse 6 he said, Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go against Ramogilad to fight, or shall I refrain? So he said, Go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. Verse 7. And Jehoshaphat said, is there, still, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? What do you think happened? When Jehoshaphat had that prophecy, he wasn't convinced. His spirit didn't accept it. Why? Because Jehoshaphat was a God seeker. He was a man who was dedicated to the service of God. He wasn't just a casual worshipper. He wasn't just somebody that was going to church. He wasn't just somebody that was trying to do good things. But he had a deep relationship with God. So when he had the false prophets prophesying lies and deceiving Ahab, he said, this man is not true. And he asked that, is there no other one that we may ask of the Lord? And you know the, the, the rest is uh, history. So if we look at the life of Jehoshaphat, we see a man who set his heart on seeking, knowing, and working with God. A man who set his heart on seeking, knowing, and working with God. Because if we get to our main verse for this message, that Second Chronicles chapter uh, 20, and then uh, victory through praise, where the children of Judah gathered, in the battlefield, and instead of having guns, instead of having spears, instead of having bulldozers 
or machine guns or grenades or bombs or jet fighters, they constituted a choir to praise God. And you think that is normal? My brother, it's not normal. No normal human being would do such a thing. But something made Jehoshaphat to do it. Because when we read it, it just looks normal, it looks casual. But when you, you, you take a deep thought, you know that what he did was not normal. He could only do it because he had a close relationship with God. And the every word of God that is spoken to him, he holds onto it. And he doesn't joke with the word of God. That is the man, Jehoshaphat. And the, if you think that it is normal, let us look at the life of another man who was a king in Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, if we read from verse 6 to verse 6, uh, 15, about the story of Saul. When Saul was confronted by the Philistines, and there was a battle, and there was fear everywhere, and the prophet Samuel had promised him that he would come in seven days' time. And after seven days, he didn't see Samuel. And the, the Philistines were threatening and there was fear. And the soldiers around him were afraid. And many of them were disappearing. And they entering into the camp of their enemies. And at a time, Saul said, give me the animal. Let me make the sacrifice. And immediately after making the sacrifice, Samuel appeared and said, you have done a foolish thing. You have not obeyed the commandment of the Lord. Why do you think Saul made such a mistake because he didn't have any relationship with God. Saul was a man that even when he has erred, when he has made a mistake, even when he is confronted by, with his sin that he has committed, instead of repenting and asking for forgiveness, he will try to do what? To give excuses. He will try to justify what he has done. And that was not enough. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 26, when Saul again was given another assignment by God, God gave him a second chance. I said, go to Amalek and destroy everything. And he went and he destroyed everything and he brought back the king and all the fatted animals. And when Samuel confronted him again, he said, we brought them to sacrifice to the Lord. As if God was hungry and was looking for fatted uh, animals. And that was when it was pronounced to him that the Lord had uh, rejected him. And uh, such a weighty word that he had been rejected didn't even touch him. What was important to him is, please, follow me to go and worship. At least let's do a cover-up so that people will not know what is uh, happening. He was not ready to repent. He didn't have any relationship with God. If you look at the life of Saul, in 1 Samuel chapter 28, if you read from verse 3 to 6, Towards the end of his life, the final battle, before he was killed, Bible said that there was this fierce battle. There was danger. And he sought to know the will of God. He wanted to, to know what God wants him to do. But by then, God had departed from him. God didn't answer him. God didn't listen to him. And what was the next thing he did? He started seeking for soothsayers. He started consulting spirits. So this man was unstable. And that is what God wants to use to challenge us this morning. How is a life before him? 
Because the praise of him that God will receive is the praise of the man whose heart is seeking after him. That's the praise of the man that God will receive. When we sing and we dance and we praise and we do a manner of things and we make sacrifices, but our heart is not right with God, I want to announce to you that we are just having physical exercise. And that's why God said in prophecy this morning, He said that, I am who you said that I am. I am a miracle working God. I am a faithful God. I am a God who does not fail. But in recent times, you have not been living as if you believe that I am a God who does not fail. How have we been living? We have allowed fear to surround us. We have been overtaken by fears. We have been overtaken by uncertainties. We have been overtaken by things happening around us. We are full of stories now. We are full of telling stories of the events that are happening one after the other. And we have forgotten that we have a God in heaven whom we are supposed to look unto in every and any situation. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, the Bible said, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, without absolute faith, without absolute dependence on God, there is no way we can please God. If we still have any doubt that what God said He would do, that He cannot do it, or that He will not do it, it means that we don't have faith. It means that we don't trust God. It means that we are still uh, doubting God's capability. He said, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have come as children of God. We have come to God. Do we believe that God will reward those who diligently seek him? Because that's the only way we can remain diligent in seeking the Lord. If we no longer believe that God will reward those who diligently seek Him, it means that we start seeking God half-heartedly. It means that we take some of the things that God has said and some will keep them aside. And we say these ones will not work. We are not sure that these ones will work. But not for the man called Jehoshaphat. Whom the Lord talked to. When he set his heart to seek the Lord, when he set his heart to know what God wants, when he was confronted by his enemies, three armies against one, and he came to seek the Lord, and he prayed, and he called for a fast. And when the prophecy came, in verse 17, in verse 15b of Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20, he said, Do not be afraid, nor dismayed, because those great multitude, okay, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. The battle is not yours. And it looked like Joshua didn't understand it very well. And God repeated it in verse 17. He said, You will not need to fight in this battle. 
Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Say, you will not fight. You will stand still. You are going for a battle. This army, they will come. And God even told him the, the, way, the, the way through which they will come. Say they will come. But you are not going to fight. You will just stand and watch. It is not your battle. And Jehoshaphat held unto this word. That is what God demands from us. That is what God is expecting from us. To follow his word. Say, don't fight. Just stand and watch. Become a spectator. And where has that happened before? That somebody prepares for a battle against his enemy. And God said, don't come with any weapon. Just come and stand. I know it must be confusing. I know even those who follow Jehoshaphat, they'll be wondering, what is wrong with the king? Why is he saying that we should not come with, with our weapons? And to make the matter worse, Jehoshaphat said, let us constitute a, a mass choir that will sing in battlefield. But what does that show? It shows that this man trusted the word of God. He treasured the word of God. He knew that the word of God can never fail. And the word of God did not fail him. What are we doing with the word of God? What are we doing with the word of God? Do we take the word of God lightly? Or do we treasure the word that God speaks to us on daily basis? As we wake up every morning, open our Bible to read, and we see God talking to us. And we hear God speaking to us. How do we take these words that God speaks to us every day? Do we take them as something serious? Or do we just go through them and say, this one, this part, this one cannot work. It worked in those days. It cannot work anymore now. And that is faithlessness. Say, those who come to him must believe that uh, he is. We must believe that God is. That is what differentiates us from the world. That's why God speaks to us before things start happening. I know that early this year, God started telling us about how there will be a lot of challenges, about how things will be difficult, about how there will be fears everywhere. And God encouraged us to hold onto His word. And are those things not coming to pass? They are coming to pass. What did God do? He prepared us. He gave us an advantage. He put us a step ahead of others, ahead of unbelievers. So that when others are fearful, when others are fretting, when others are complaining, will be those who will encourage them. Will be those who will make them to understand that God is in charge and God is in control. But are we doing that? Are we doing that? Are we doing the work that God has asked us to do? Or have we joined them to become anxious? In Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, 
by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. When you are asked to be anxious for nothing, does it mean that there is nothing around you that will make you to be anxious? For those of us who drive, when you look at your fuel gauge, getting down, your heart will start doing what? Palpitating. It's, not, it's no longer as usual. Where you can take 5,000 and just put fuel, at least you can use it for two or three days. Now it's no longer so. For you to put a reasonable amount or quantity of fuel in your car, you must have from 20 to 30,000. And that will last maybe for a week. And you are confronted with another empty tank. Does it call for somebody's heart to be anxious? Does it? Yes. That's reality. But God said, be not anxious. He said, through prayer and thanksgiving, make your needs known to God. I don't have solution for my own. So how can I provide a solution for your own? But we have a God in heaven. Is it food? When you go to the market to get things now, it's difficult. If you think you have money, enter the market. And suddenly you discover that you don't have uh, money. When things you have at home are finishing, you, look, you, look, you are looking at them going down, and your heart will start skipping. But God said, be anxious for nothing. That's the God we serve. You know, it's looking so, it's, it's sounding so how. That was how it sounded to Jehoshaphat when God said, you should not fight in this battle. The, the way it sounded to you now, the way it sounded, he said, what is he talking about? He doesn't understand. How much is my salary? If you understand, he won't be saying this. That's how it was sounding to Jehoshaphat when God was saying, this is my battle. Just go and stand still. When you have three combined army coming against you. But did God fail him? God didn't fail him. And God will not fail you and I in Jesus' name. God said this morning, he said, have I ever failed? Have you ever tested me and I failed? He said, come and test and see that the Lord is good. Our God is good. He is faithful. That our God is good doesn't mean that we will not have challenges. He said, in the world you will have tribulations. In the world you will have tribulations. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's the confidence we have. So if your heart is failing you, what will the unbeliever do? Those who are putting their hands into all manner of things, they are visiting one place to the other to get help, to get solution to their problems. But we have a God in heaven. We have a God in heaven. What is the solution? Bible said in Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, it said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of God, the word of God, that is the key. The word of God, that is our weapon. 
in Ephesians chapter 6, he said that's the sword of the Spirit. The sword of Spirit. That's the weapon that God has given to us. His word. To hold on to his word. Say, let the word of God dwell richly. Take it in. Many of us are doing Bible challenge. Many of us have, have started reading them. Then the New Testament, the New Testament, yes. And somebody have finished. Somebody have finished. Somebody have finished already. And others are meeting up. Take in the word of God. Store the word of God in your heart. In Psalm 119 verse 11, say that the word of God, if you hide the word of God in your heart, you do what? It will keep sin away. When the word of God is in your heart, it keeps sin Aware. He said, how can a young man keep his heart pure? He said, by taking heed to the word of God. Word of God is what we need to live in this wicked world. And God expects us to surrender all to him. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Present yourself. Offer yourself. You are nothing before God. Surrender yourself to God. Let that thing that you will fear happen. Let's see. Says, offer it to God. Offer yourself to God. Serve God with all your heart. Seek the Lord with all your heart. And the Lord will not disappoint you. So that when we do that, say, so that we not conform to the standard of the world. The world is bringing us. The world is drawing us. The world is making us to conform to their standard. And that's why it's looking as if God is powerless. As if God is no longer keeping to his word. As if God has lost his power. As if God is no longer faithful. As if God does not do any more what he said he would do. It is not any of that. It's just because we have compromised the standard of God. We are no longer taking God on his word. We have become faithless. Just like Jesus rebuked his disciples. We have become faithless. And it looks as if God has lost his power. My brethren, God is challenging us this morning. In every situation that we find ourselves, the first thing that we should do and the most important thing, what is God saying concerning this situation? That is the most important thing. What is God saying concerning this situation? Yes, fear will come. But let us not allow the fear to overwhelm us. And we become helpless. And when we become helpless, Satan will start giving us a ministration of what to do. Satan will start suggesting to us. And if you suggest and suggest and it looks as if it's not entering, he will send his agents to come and reinforce what he's doing. But if we seek to know the will of God, we are better prepared to withstand and to overcome that situation. And surely, Bible said that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers him from them all. Oh, many. He didn't say small. He said sometimes there are afflictions. Say many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. 
What are those afflictions you are passing through? What are those situations that are confronting you? What are those circumstances that the enemy is using to draw your faith down? To empty your faith? To make you to become fearful? To envelop you with fear? What are those difficulties? The word of God is saying, Jesus has overcome the world. And he has given us victory. And he said, be of good cheer. That's the message that God is giving to us this morning. As we start praying, God is challenging you. And God is challenging me. One thing he says this morning, he said that in recent times, we have been living as if we no longer believe that God is a miracle-working God. That's the word of God this morning. And another thing he says, he asks a question, is your name written in the book of life? Let us pray. I want you to answer those questions to yourself. Have you started living as if you have lost faith in God? Are you living as if God has lost his power? And he's no longer able to intervene in your situation. You have to be the one to work it out. You have to be the one to help yourself. Is that the state of your life? Is your name written in the book of life? Have you given your life to Jesus? Or you gave your life to Jesus? But because of life circumstances, you have backslidden. Jesus is calling you this morning. He said, my son, give me your life. Say, my daughter, give me your life. It will profit you nothing that after all this suffering in this world, you will end up not having your name in the book of life. That's not the will of God for you. That's not the purpose of God for you. Jesus is calling you this morning. Are you willing to respond to him? He said, when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. When you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. It's God that is calling you. Say, my son, give me your life. My daughter, give me your life. I don't want you to perish. I have a better plan for you. The enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus came to give us life. Are you willing to receive that life? Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and is knocking. Are you willing to open? Are you willing to reconcile back to him? Have you lost your faith? <clears throat> Maybe you are born again, but your faith have gone down. Things happening around you have been so challenging. And you have started living like somebody who has no faith. The enemy has been dribbling you. You are full of fear. How do I survive? God is calling on you. Say, I have overcome the world. Say, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God is delivering you this morning in Jesus' name. Those who want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to repeat after me. You want to give your life to Jesus? Or you backslid and you want to reconcile back to him. 
I want you to pray after me. My Lord and my Savior. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to be called your child. But because you love me, you sent your son Jesus and he came and died for me. Lord, I confess my sins this morning. Have mercy upon me. Forgive me. Cancel my name from the book of death. Write my name in the book of life and give me the power to be your child. And to live from now henceforth above sin and above Satan. Thank you for answering me. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I commit this to your son who have confessed with his mouth and he believes in his heart that Jesus came and died for him. And Lord, as he has confessed this morning, and Lord, that he is willing to receive into his life, Lord, wash his sins away in Jesus' name. Give him a new life. And cause that Lord, there will be a new beginning in him. And whatever the enemy have planted in his life, Lord, we uproot in Jesus' name. Let the old life pass away and let everything become new. And from now henceforth, let everything about him, Father Lord, turn around for good. Have your way, God, in his life and be that glorified. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. We are still praying. I want you to present yourself before God this morning. What is the state of your life? Has your faith gone down? Has the circumstances that you are passing through drawn down your faith? And you don't know where you are standing. You are a child of God. You have given your life to Jesus. But you don't have faith again. You have lost confidence. You don't know where to follow. You don't know where to go to. You don't know what to believe. I want to say that God is here to visit you. God is here to do a new thing in your life. God is calling upon you. So that you don't surrender your faith. He said that the love of many will was good. In the last days. That love of many will was good. And your love is washing good. Pray for yourself. And bring yourself back to God. Thank God that you are sorry the way you have gone. And that you have realized that you have taken a wrong step. That you want to come back and believe and trust and hold on to his word. As we call on our, upon our chaplain to pray for us. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, Father God, thank you for your word that we have heard. Thank you that today you granted us life and health to be able to come to church today. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray that you meet your children at their points of need. We've had time to pray. We have asked you various things according to our individual needs. Grant us victory over whatever has been our challenge in the name of Jesus. Grant us, O God, dominion over whatever has been challenging us in the name of Jesus. Father, help us to love you as we ought to. Help us, Lord, to give you back time that you've given us resources you've given us talents you've given us to serve you and worship you faithfully help us God we trust you and we are going out in victory because you've made us more than conquerors may we experience this victory more and more in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus we pray Amen Amen